When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined again by Dad, and we've just sat down to record this and realised that we are we covered the USS Indianapolis last time, and this time we're covering something in Indiana. So I'm assuming they're not they're not the same place, are they, Indiana? Is Indiana in, in Indianapolis? Uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. So we're covering... We're staying with Indiana, uh, the state of Indianapolis, for this one. Um, awesome story, probably one you could sum up in about five minutes. But well, I could sum it up in about five words, to be yeah. honest. But you know, I'll but just tell you the story. <laughs> it's it's a fascinating one. Now, I mean, I go back to an episode I did. I think it was around episode fifteen, maybe maybe earlier than that. One of the first few ones I did. And it was called Sporting Disasters. I don't know if you ever read, uh, listened mm-hmm. to that one. I did, actually, um, yeah. And it covered things like Hillsborough and things like that that happened. Um, this one, for some reason, didn't make it on there. But I don't know if it classes as a sporting tragedy. or I mean, obviously, people have read the, the introduction. You know, they've read the well, In saying the that, title. You, I don't know if you covered the American ice skating team. I believe it was on there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe it was. I mean, God. I mean, I mean yeah. This one, to, this one isn't technically sport. No, but, yeah. but for those of you who don't know from the title of Holiday on Ice, um, this isn't actually a, a jolly podcast like it might be titled. No, no. So what? What actually happened then? Well, we're going to go back a few years to 1963. Okay. Okay. So it was before you were here, but nope, I, but you I was, was. I was here. Yeah. yeah. Um, just when you were still there yeah um this is a podcast that i've wanted to do for some time ever since i learnt about it um and it's not as long as some of the ones that i've done so this one will probably be fairly quickly over and done with uh but it doesn't make it any less interesting no it really doesn't it is a fantastic okay there have been many disasters and tragedies that have occurred throughout history some of them natural some of them man-made 
today I'm going to tell you about one that's been lost to history. That is unless you live in the state of Indiana, in which case you might have heard of it. For almost everybody else, this is going to be an unknown event. Um, and quite possibly because three weeks after this event, a much more famous event occurred in Dallas. Um, and we're yes. talking of the assassination of JFK. Yes. So this was three weeks before. Yeah, so it sort of got lost to the history books. Yeah. Um, the incident occurred on Halloween night um, and has become known as the Holiday on Ice disaster. And this is the story of it. The late 50s, early 60s saw an increase in families enjoying more leisure time together. That's the British pronunciation. Not leisure. Not leisure. Yeah. Yeah, it's leisure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a result, trips to the cinemas and theatres increased. And the population of, of uh, Indiana were no different to the rest of the United States. Um, the residents of Indianapolis were fortunate to have uh, the state fairground actually in their city. And part of this fairground included a building called the Coliseum. It was built in 1923. It was quite an imposing building uh, and it had held shows, concerts, rallies, all sorts of things throughout its history. It had a seating capacity of 7,800, and it was an ideal venue for family shows. So during the last week of October in 1963, the arena's floor had been converted into an ice rink. And that was in order to host the very popular show, Holiday on Ice, which was due to be there for an 11-day run. Holiday on Ice, if you didn't know it, was a touring show that showcased dancers and skaters around from around the world. And the format worked. It was very popular um, throughout the whole of the country and had been since the show started in 1949. So it was a yearly event yeah. that travelled around the country. This particular show, the 1963 show... Um, consisted of 18 separate numbers including the holiday on parade sleeping beauty egyptian fantasy broadway holiday they're all titled these really sort of interesting yeah. sets the final number was called mardi gras and it was based on a scene with 36 ladies in sequined leotards yellow feathered headdresses all skating synchronized precision while fireworks exploded in the roof and the girders all to the sound of a band playing dixie right opening night was scheduled for the 31st of october halloween yeah best day of the year mm. i'm a huge fan of halloween yeah right <laughs> i shut my doors on halloween i've got cctv cameras and any, yeah but you're a scrooge anybody comes up to my front door i don't 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 answer it like, <laughs> you're one of these hate, people that sits there with the lights off hate like. halloween really have do. you seen my house at halloween yeah you see what we've got this year we've got um we've got a big projector that projects ghosts into the window i've got six foot eyeballs that i'm putting on honestly it's mad I've gone yeah We've been Americanized when it comes to Halloween in my house. That's, that's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's mental. 
It's All Hallows Eve, and it's like, it's actually a pagan. It's a holiday. pagan holiday. It's Sarwen, yeah. but yeah. Well, I'll take Halloween. I like it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we go back to the Colosseum, and it was built around a trusted and proved design. There's a large flat floor area surrounded on four sides by banked seating rising up to about two or three tiers underneath the bank seating was a concourse which ran all the way around the building and this area was designed for people to gather both before and after the show to buy food drink show merchandise it also housed the store and machinery rooms for the building along with all the stock rooms and for the various vendors that situated there yeah now, Halloween in Indianapolis on that night was cold and wet, but it didn't prevent the 4,627 Hoosiers attending to watch the skating spectacular at the Coliseum. Yeah. You can ask me what a Hoosier is I now, was, actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. I- it's the official name for people from the state of Indiana. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. There you go. I just thought it was uh, a band. No. So, I wonder if the band's from Indiana. Now I've thought about it. Anyway, yeah, go, carry potentially, on. Potentially, yeah. I don't know. No. Now, the show that was going to be put on that night was Holiday on Ice, as we've already said, 1963's version. Everybody was seated in the arena and ready for the start of the show at 8.30pm. But for some reason, the show didn't actually begin until quarter to nine so it was 15 minutes late yeah i can't find the exact reason as to why but the show was running late there was there's no official sort of reasoning that's written down that i can find as to why but it it was late the crowd soon forgot the delayed start and sat down to enjoy the singing and the skating all in all, the show was a great success with oohs and ahs coming from the spectators throughout the entire performance. But unknown to the spectators and performance, there was a problem developing in one of the storerooms adjacent to the concession stands in the concourse. This is where quite a few storage areas were, and they contained almost everything needed to put on the shows that the Coliseum was famous for, from programs to food to essential tools and equipment. But on this night, one of the rooms had been used to store gas cylinders. Right. So you can probably guess now where this story is going to go. Yeah. The particular room in question was on the concourse level in the southeast corner, directly underneath the banked seating area in sections 13, aisle 13. Oh, 13 on Halloween. The room, the storage room, contained several 100-pound liquid petroleum pressurised gas cylinders. Well, it was supplied to the Coliseum by a company called the Discount Gas Corporation. <laughs> Discount being the key word there. Uh, and they'd been in the storeroom for several days. But the containers weren't in a good condition. They were, in fact, quite rusty. And one had been leaking for some time. So over a period of several hours, the, in the, the, the sealed, unvented storeroom the leak had slowly filled the space with flammable gas. Not just any flammable gas, possibly one of the most volatile gases on the planet. Yeah. 
Yeah. Liquid petroleum. Yeah. 54-year-old Wilbur Gauthier was supervising his staff of vendors when something caught his attention. He's making his supervising patrols and he thought he, he heard a sound like a tea kettle left on the boil. So he went to investigate the source and he realised that the sound was actually coming from a storeroom on the concourse level. The door to the room was locked and he couldn't find a key for it. But he was concerned. So he forced open the door. Right. The room was full of what appeared to be a white mist and added to this was the overpowering smell of gas as he entered the room he saw a six foot tall propane gas tank fall over and begin to roll across the concrete it was hissing as it did this was one of the pressurized gas cylinders actually stored in the room Gauthier was horrified. He screamed for everybody to clear the area. He entered the storeroom and tried to run towards the rolling tank. He didn't make it. It was six minutes past 11, Halloween night, 1963. Up on the ice ring above, the grand finale had already started. 36 skaters were it three minutes from the end of the show and into their final wheel routine. Yeah. So once Gauthier opened the door, the mist, which was actually the gas, flooded into the concourse where all the vendors were preparing for the audience to leave. The gas began to fill the concourse and within seconds it reached a popcorn stand. This is where it came in contact with the heating element of a popcorn-making machine. Gas and heat are not a good combination, and especially on this occasion. The resulting explosion blasted along the concourse, but more importantly, it went straight up. This particular, con this particular popcorn stand was directly below the audience. In fact, it was actually under the best seats in the arena. The blast took out around 128 seats, along with all the people sitting in them. 54 died instantly. So many more were severely injured, and a few died later. Following the blast, a sheet of flame shot up through the gaping hole where the seats were moments before. The flame rose to over 30 feet above the remaining audience. The explosion catapulted men and women still in their seats in blazing arcs through the air, and a few of these unfortunate people actually hit the roof of the arena before falling back to earth. Wow. Slabs of concrete the size of small cars went up 50 feet and slammed down onto a crowded section of folding chairs directly below the now-missing box seats, and they crushed dozens of people and trapped many more under the tons of debris. The damaged area was equated to around 700 square feet. 
In an instant, the rink was littered with enormous chunks of concrete, shredded programs, crumpled popcorn boxes, splintered seats, twisted steels, and dozens of bodies that lay in pools of blood spreading all over the ice. Members of the audience sitting opposite the point of explosion were peppered with concrete and debris from the other side of the ring and a supporting wall above the site of the explosion then collapsed, leaving a massive 50-foot hole where families had been sitting seconds before. On the, ice, on the ice itself, the chorus line broke into a scramble of skates and blades and screams. A lot of people initially thought it was part of the show. In fact, one person in the audience yelled out to her companion, it's part of the show, it's got to be. <laughs> The band continued to play Dixie, but uh, in less than a minute, a family show was turned into a mass of debris, blood, screaming spectators. Bleeding or dazed, some of them wandered aimlessly out of the Colosseum. Some fled wildly across the ice, slipping and skidding as they tried to make their escape. Others clawed with their bare hands to drag away 500-pound blocks of concrete that pinned people under the wreckage. The auditorium was brilliantly lit by spotlights, uh, but the screams of the injured and those trapped underneath um, dead bodies and concrete and everything, those that were uninjured uh, and the walking wounded made their way out of the building, surprisingly enough, in a very orderly manner. But as they did so, <laughs> there was a second explosion another sheet of flame shot up through the hole that had now appeared in the floor and that went up 40 feet so it was a bigger explosion than the original one several audience members entered the hole and tried to lift slabs of concrete still trapped uh, lift concrete off those that were still trapped despite the pockets of fire that were now taking hold of the debris Concrete doesn't burn, but everything else does. It may be fortunate or not, but there were an above number of emergency personnel on duty that night. And that's because the authorities were actually anticipating an amount of disorder in the city due to Halloween pranks. So the police, fire and ambulance services were on scene very quickly. But you couldn't have prepared them for what they found when they entered the Coliseum that night. An off-duty fireman who was in the audience made the first call to the emergency services. And that was in a, within a minute of the explosion. The first responder to arrive was a police vehicle, and it was 23.15. The evacuation was that good that, in fact, by 23.30, there were only 10 injured spectators inside the arena. Wow, that's pretty good. The Marion County coroner was one of the first physicians to arrive. He got to the scene at quarter to twelve and set up a makeshift morgue on the ice itself. The dead were placed on plywood boards in order of gender and age. And a nearby barn was commandeered and used as a makeshift triage and hospital. Other coroners arrived. Family members looking for the missing were required to register before being shown into the Colosseum to identify deceased. Every hospital in the area 
took the injured and even some medical students were actually recalled to assist in the hospitals. By 3pm that afternoon, so the following day, only two of the dead remained unidentified. And by four o'clock, the only people left in the building were police officers guarding the scene. Reporters who arrived at the scene, well, they basically described it as a war zone. In total, 81 people died in the incident. Over 400 were injured. Once everything settled, the investigations began. Marion County instigated a grand jury inquiry and evidence was heard from all parties involved and it took five weeks to reach a conclusion. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The result was that the explosion was down to the leaking liquid petroleum gas coming into contact with the popcorn machine. The culprit cylinder had rusted and had a faulty valve. The second explosion came from the gas cylinders that hadn't ruptured in the initial explosion. So, over the course of the inquiry, the sports promoter who operated the Coliseum stated that while he did not have permits to legally store LP gas cylinders inside the building, they'd been in use for about 10 years and during that time he was never never made aware of the need for a permit to have them. Wow. The law required that the local fire department inspect the arena prior to every major event. This had been requested before the uh, the show, but it had never been completed. Hmm. Uh, the grand jury determined that the tanks, which lacked recommended safety caps, should not have been used indoors and should not have been stored inside the arena. That's fairly obvious. Yeah, I mean, but that's hindsight, isn't it? Uh, they concluded that the explosion might have been prevented 
if an investigation by authorities had been conducted prior to the show. In addition, fewer people would have been injured if the show had started on time. How does that work? The show would have finished. It was only three minutes from the end. Oh, yeah. But then, I suppose, the guy walking round probably would have spotted it earlier because he'd have been walking... Do you know what I mean? Might have done, yeah. Um, seven people were indicted on involuntary manslaughter charges. Three were from the company that had supplied the gas tanks, two employees of the uh, arena's operators, and the general manager and concessions manager. While Mr. Meaners were pressed against the fire marshal and chief of uh, fire chief... The grand jury placed as much of the fault on the explosion on the LP gas supplier, Mm. stating that instead of warning their customers of the dangers of an improperly installed gas tank... uh, Yeah, they just didn't warn them. They just didn't warn them. Yeah. You know? In the end, only one person, uh, discount... Gas Discount Corporation's president, Edward Franger, was found guilty by a jury on the lesser charge of assault and battery. How they got that, I have no idea. (laughs) But even this conviction was overturned by the Indiana Supreme Court, so nobody actually saw any jail time. Uh, Survivors of the explosion and the families of those killed were awarded a total of 4.6 4.6 million in settlements and the Coliseum remained closed for 41 days while the repairs were carried out but it did hold the holiday on ice in 1964 I bet that didn't sell out <laughs> Jesus. there you go uh, so when you say 4.6 million I'm assuming that's not per family I'm assuming that's overall that's overall yeah Yeah, it's not a lot of money really no 81 people died yeah I mean that's I mean it's horrific isn't it when you think about it but it's just a calamity of errors and you know we we go on about it in this country about oh health and safety this and health and safety that and oh they you know they're so strict with health and safety I mean like where I work I have to wear a high vis jacket inside a car park it, it, and it's a yard where we we have a unit where there's eight vans and every van is parked up with the engine off and you can't get any more vans in, but I still have to wear a high-vis jacket. And you're like, that's mental. I'm not going to get run over because no vans can move. But health and safety says I've got to wear one, so I wear one. And you think, that's just mad. But then you go back to the 60s, there was no such thing as health and safety. We know. It didn't. It barely existed. You know that it, People knew about it, but... I mean, I, I would have put the whole blame on the gas company on the basis that they sold them rusty tanks. They weren't fitted with safety valves. They weren't. They didn't explain to the guy who bought them how he needed to store them properly. It just seems like a, well, ca- a calamity of errors, doesn't it? It certainly does. I mean, poor old Wilbur Gorthia. I'm assuming he died. Yeah, uh, he yeah. never. He uh, from. I mean, I, I I could have put a bit more in there, but from the reports of some of the survivors he forced open the door and the cylinder was rolling towards him he took two steps into the built of the the room and then the bang happened so he was blown well out of the he, room. he was like in, in the middle of the thing 
if the gas is going to explode and he's standing in it, it's, it's he didn't stand I mean, the hope. Had he have kept the door shut, would it have happened? It was a sealed room. So no. So the answer is no. So he heard you the hissing. Could actually, you, as horrible as it is, you could actually blame it on him. Had he have for not o- bothered for opening open, the door, yeah. Had he have not opened the door, it wouldn't have happened. Because then, technically, the flammable gas was, was called, contained. Yeah. I mean, it's a horrible it, it thing to it say. It would have had to have come out at some point. So if they'd have known that it was in there, they would have evacuated everything. Yeah, and they could and, have opened the door and when course, there wasn't a live flame on the concourse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. the, the heating element of a popcorn machine. Yeah. You've got to think somewhere like that's just a continuation of events and any one of those not happening would have stopped it. Yeah. But when you look at the hole in the the seating on the Coliseum and I've got some photographs yeah, of it. Yeah, I'll I'll have uh, put a couple of them on Facebook. They um it was huge. Oh, and it just took the back the seat the, the bank seating and it was the VIP section mm. that went up. Yeah. And the second explosion took out the um, the ones behind the tier in front. Yeah, where there was the less VIP people. Yeah, but I mean, just just to think about how many, like me saying there, the the people rose thirty feet in the air to the ceiling, and bounced off the ceiling and then straight I mean, back down and hit in ice. I mean, you think going somewhere like Wembley Arena, yeah, or and you. That's a hell of a long way to fall, and to mm. be shot up, to then fall. I mean, that's still in your seat. Yeah, I mean, that's just it's it's un it's unreal. You know, you can't can't really imagine it. And like you said, obviously, this has kind of been lost to history, as as many tragedies and many things are lost to history. This is one that I would say probably is is up there with. Look, yeah, I things that just very don't much talk doubt if people actually know much about. I mean, there'll be a few people in 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 Indiana that really yeah. have never heard of it. If any, if anyone listening is from Indiana or even Indianapolis, um, just drop me a message and and let me know if you'd heard of this. Or and and oh, that goes for any anyone anywhere. But obviously, I'd, I'm I'm interested to know if people still if, remember. Yeah, if people in the states, if if anyone is of the age to remember this or remembers their parents talking about this or, or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. So, and that doesn't have to go for just people in Indiana, but I, I mean, as a general rule, I'm, I'm, well, I yeah. wonder how many people knew. Although I did, I did pick up from that, that you said, um, I, I've, I've worked out why you hate Halloween just from listening to that. <laughs> when he said, you said that about the extra police on standby for the mischief. And I thought, that might have something to do with it. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't like Halloween. I don't see why um people need to go around and knock on houses and ask for things. Do you know what? For me, I don't I'm not bothered about the trick or treating. For me, I just enjoy the fact that I can decorate my house, people come round and have a look. I mean, we're we're normally in the papers every year for our house because we put you know, loads of decorations up. Got mannequins and and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I quite like that. We're we're known on our estate as, as the Halloween. Yeah, see, house. we have for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, because you do your lights. So, yeah, I mean, I I'd love to do to do Christmas, but I 
Halloween's just my thing. I like to dress up and yeah. See, I'm not. Go I out don't like. I don't, I don't get why. And it's an American thing, and it has crept over here. Trick or treat. Yeah. All right. You knock on the door. You should expect a trick or a treat. Yeah. Not give me a treat or I will do something to you. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So depends how you word it. Yeah, I suppose you can yeah, see. Trick see or what, what do you want? A trick or yeah? I've knocked on the door. I want a trick or a treat. Yeah. Well, have a trick. Bang. Smack on the nose. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It's all. It's almost not a question. It's a statement. It's yeah. A, Give me a treat or I'll trick you. Yeah. But it's not a trick. It's something it's something else. I'm going to egg your house or throw toilet paper over it or, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I, or I just, get a paper bag, fill it with uh, yeah. dog stuff yeah. and set fire to it. Yeah. We used to do that. Yeah, and then they open the door and stamp on it and wonder why their feet smell. Yeah, I used to do that to people. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, that's, 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 I don't know whether that's an American thing. I think it is <laughs> an American thing. I remember seeing it once on The Simpsons and me and my mates decided to do it. So, yeah. Although I can't imagine standing like that. To me, if I saw a bag on fire on my doorstep, I'd cup of water. Yeah, but you haven't got a cup of water in your hand. Well, you don't stand on it. Why not? It's only a small fire. I still wouldn't stand on it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Yeah. But, but there we go. <laughs> yeah, very very interesting. Um, like I said, it's we, a nice quick one, though. Yeah, and then, like I said, we, sometimes these, these little ones are quite quite fun. And then it sounds horrible, because there's nothing fun about 81 people dying in an arena, but it's, like I said, it, it's the fact that it was so preventable, and there were so many things that had to happen all in once for it to work out and i find that fascinating throughout all of history when you look at some of the major events not just this one but like the major events in history the munich putsch had that bullet have gone six inches to the left hitler would have been dead before he even got to power in germany yeah and i just did an episode on george washington had in 1758 he been approved to be a major in the british army what would have happened because the reason he start he joined the, the Continental Army was because the British didn't want him. They said, "Now nah, you're an American, we don't want you. You're nothing to do with us. Uh, had they have said, actually, do you know what? You're not that bad. Come join our army. What would have happened to America without George Washington? Yeah. I, I think they probably still, like I said in the episode, I think they probably still would have won the war. But it would be a very different America to what we see now. Oh, you know, I don't Washington, know. I think America would have developed very, very similar lines. But yeah, they would certainly have won the war. Washington, because from our point of view, it wasn't a war. No, we didn't really care uh, up up until well. I mean, if you, I don't know if you listened to the episode or you won't have done yet because it's not live. But um, nineteen uh, seventeen seventy five, we didn't care. Seventeen seventy six, we'd already we'd practically won. 1777 we turned around and went all right we're going to start fighting back and then we lost a major battle and then the french got involved and we we ended up losing so mm. and then they just gave up you know at that point in 1777 1778 they decided to protect the the caribbean that's you know we're not bothered about that the caribbean's where we're making all our money we're not making as much money here so well, 
the sugar plantations in the Caribbean were much at, more at lucrative. At the time, you had Britain was fighting France and Spain mm. uh, and to trying to prevent them from actually coming over and taking over our island. Yeah. We also had the colonies in, in India which were producing spice and silks. And rebelling at the time. And they weren't too popular you know, with yeah. us. We, we also had wherever we went, really. The, um, the parts of Africa yeah. that we were in. So and America, Australia. when you actually look at it, America at the time didn't actually produce anything that Britain wanted. Tobacco was about it at the time. Pretty much tobacco. But even there, tobacco... We could grow in the Caribbean. Wasn't yeah, but it wasn't like it is now. No, you know, only the rich could have it. Mm -hmm. And and to be honest, if the rich didn't have it, it wasn't a great loss to the country. No. So and you look at Canada, which was obviously the the where we didn't we weren't going to give up Canada um, because of you had the the beaver trade, the pelt trade. Um, and all of mm. that coming through Canada, and then from the southern states of America, like from South Carolina down towards the Caribbean, we had the sugar plantations, and and sugar that, and cotton, yeah, which was far more lucrative than what the northern part of America was producing. So, but I mean, so in reality, we didn't we really didn't need it. Really need it? Well, yes, we. Yes, you can imagine they didn't want to let it go. No, of course they didn't. But. If they had to let something go, it would it be. It was going to be America. It was going to be America. Yeah. And then um, when the French got involved, we were we were stuffed really because they blockaded New York Harbor, and it to get a naval ship out would have taken. That's the other thing. I mean, had the British have been able to pick up the phone and call Lord North and say, uh, Prime Minister, we're we're having a bit of trouble here. Can you send some troops? We'd have had the troops there, but it took four weeks for a ship to get back, and then four weeks for them to debate it in parliament and then four weeks to send a reply and by that point we'd pretty much lost so yeah because battles were fought on a almost daily yeah. basis lasting a day probably you know yeah. one or two at the most and um you know you, you can't wait 12 14 15 no. weeks no you haven't got the time and i mean again you I mean, you'll have to listen to the, the episode but the rivalries between the um general howell and uh General Burgoyne, the British, the British generals, that caused an issue because they weren't playing on the same field. You know? mm. But I mean, I, I, but I, I do like I say I go back to. I mean, we've completely gone off subject here, but like I go back to that that thing where just one thing, one simple little thing, would have changed the course of history. Had Mister Gauthier not opened the door, wouldn't have happened. No, you know, and it's. I just find that so fascinating when you look at things in history. You know, one little thing, just one, and it can be the smallest thing. You know, like I said, six inches on a bullet and the Munich Putsch. Yeah, Hitler dead. That's it. And and to be honest, the only when you look at the Nazi Party, the only one that was probably on the same level as Hitler was Himmler, and he didn't join until forty one. So. You know, he wouldn't have been there in 1939 because he wasn't part of the. So it's no. just, I mean, it's just. Uh, I find it, I find it fascinating, and this is why I find history so interesting because there's so much to it, isn't there? There's oh, so yeah. much you can, you can pick up and learn from it. So. But there we go. That was the small, short, 
I said it was short. The actual story was short. Yeah, but we've just waffled. I think for we've 10 just minutes, waffled so. for ten minutes. Yeah, but very, very interesting. And and like I said, um, anyone who's listened to this episode, get in touch with me because, um, especially if you have heard of this before, and, and it doesn't have to go um, for Americans because I, I'm assuming there are going to be guys around the world, guys, ladies and gentlemen around the world, who have probably heard of this story. Um, or again, who were alive to remember it? And do you remember it? And if you do remember it, do you remember the story and then remember it disappearing from news three weeks later? Because I know, talking to people sort of in their seventies, um, they remember the day that JFK was shot. They remember, like I remember where I was when those planes hit the Twin Towers. I, I remember every single second of it. And it's I find the, the JFK thing, for the older generation, they do remember where they were when it happened. They do remember how it happened, when it happened. So does this fade into history because of that? Or do people... Do, does anyone still remember it? Let me know. Let me know if you still remember it. It'd be very interesting. Um, join us on Facebook. Say this every week. Facebook... Just type in this week in history. There has been a big upload of people joining the group, so thank you very much. Welcome to the group, um, and we're going back to playing these little games as well on the on the group. So thank you for that. Um, I'm gonna give it a little mention um, for those of you who are interested in the Patreon side that we do. Um, we do charge five dollars a month. You don't have to join you don't get a huge amount difference but you do get all of these episodes without the bloody adverts um for me for the price of coffee for one month to listen to my favorite podcast without adverts is definitely worth doing so um for those of you who do want to do that get over there and join us on patreon and there are quite a lot of extra episodes on there as well you do have to scroll to the bottom because all these episodes are on there as well um but we have got a series of um criminals We've got a criminal series on there uh, including bonnie and clyde which has now gone onto the free feed um, and then we have the serial killers from great britain they're all on there as well so get yourselves over there it is definitely worth five dollars a month and hopefully if enough of you join i'll be able to do this full time and quit my job so <laughs> so there's always a good shout to it as well so but thank you anyway guys and we shall see you next time bye bye Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the grand canyon for the first time visit a new state of mind learn more at hereyouareaz.com